This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. This weekend, a very special book will be launched at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, Dynamics, Memory, Grace. Edited by Don Hunter, uh, tells uh, about the work of Peter Nichols, sculptor, who many here in Aotearoa Dunedin will be familiar with. Um, Don Hunter joins me on the line now. Morena, great to have you with us, Don. Um, Morena, Jess, uh, thank you for um, having me this morning. It's uh, really good to talk about this book. Many people yeah. in uh, Dunedin will be familiar with um, Peter Nichols' work. Uh, some of the sculptures that we get to enjoy today include Toroa, the Dunedin Harbour Basin Bridge at the uh, University of Otago. Uh, and, and so forth. But um, the story, of course, is much larger than that. Uh, perhaps we could start with your connection with Peter. Sure, we can do that. But before I do that, I'd just like to acknowledge um, Peter. Unfortunately, um, Peter passed away in February last year at age 84 after making a significant contribution to our visual world through the arts. Um, I was first introduced to Peter at his on his final teaching year at Otago Polytechnic, that was back in 2001, and I was I, I um, enrolled for a um, arts degree as an adult student, and um, came across Peter in that, in that first year, and he was um, he was very very pivotal in my um, practice and um, through my time at art school and beyond. Um, the thing with Peter, he was a big boy, he was a, but he was a gentle giant. Um, and he'd just quietly seed ideas uh, with people and discuss things, and in some respects, he wouldn't even know it. And he, he'd um, he was he was very influ- very influential um, in, in, in his way of, of working alongside his learners. So uh, influential yeah. for you yeah. as a practitioner, as an individual, uh, influential. In in the wider world of sculpture in, in, in general too, uh, if you were to characterise um, what drove his work, what would you say? I think if what drove his work was his and, and right from a, right from the beginning of his practice, his awareness of the our relationship to our our, our lived environment and the impacts we were having. Um, he, he was very much at the forefront of thinking around environmental concerns and environmental damage um, long before it became a trendy thing, so to speak. Um, and that certainly, that certainly really kicked off to a large extent in 1978 where he won a, a sculptural commission at Matart um, um, Conservatory in Edmonton, Canada where he went on to complete a master's degree in, at the University of Wisconsin-Superior. And a lot of his work at that time was, was based around um, concerns for the environment. And you, can see, um, you can see references to oil rigs and things like that in his making. Um, his, his making was very interesting. It was very... And it, it virtually didn't change through his old career, which is quite unusual. Um, but there was nothing repetitive about it either. His 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 tools of trade were hammers, chisels, fire, and saws, and that really stuck with him. And so very very simple uh, tools that we used. 
Um, and the most technologically advanced or complicated thing he ever took on was ceramic, some ceramic work. Um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of technical expertise required in ceramics. Um, but, but nonetheless, his work had a sophistication about it, um, despite the, the very uh, simple lineup of technologies that um, he used. Yeah. And his preferred materials? His preferred materials uh, was, were, was primarily he worked with wood, either natives or exotic timbers. Uh, wood and I would say steel. Um, he also did some cast, uh, casting of aluminium and casting of bronze over the years as well. Yeah. Did he talk about his work much? Documented in ways other than the work itself. He Peter was quite amazing, and bless him for that. It certainly made life a lot easier when it came to compiling, working alongside him to create Dynamics Memory Grace. Um, he he was fastidious with his record keeping um, right through his career. He kept notebooks, he kept diaries, he kept uh, you know his studio was full of documentation of working process of sketches where he was thinking out loud with through a pencil. Um, I often had the impression um, that that the spoken word was Peter's second language, and his first language was being mark, was mark making, whether that be pencil on paper or um, chisel in hand. Uh, so yeah, there's an extent, an extent, there was an extensive archive to draw on um, to create the book alongside him. And the value of that is is what primarily is it is it the value for the appreciator of art? Is it the value for practitioners of art? Is it value for um, the wider discussion around what what brought those works to life? I think. Elements of all of those. I mean, from an, from um, an arts practitioner's perspective, um, this this work is incredibly valuable. Uh, Peter's work is incredibly valuable um, in terms of his consistency through his practice and in, in his, in his um, messaging. Um, and the publication itself is valuable because uh, you know opportunities to publish this sort of thing when an artist is still alive. Um, don't always come up and can often be interrupted, as was the case with um, with Peter's um, death. Um, and the really interesting thing about working with Peter, he was, um, whilst he was an academic in his own right, he wasn't particularly fond of academic writing concerning arts. He was he was a very pragmatic fellow. Um, so this book, um, whilst it does have a quite an extensive introduction by Priscilla Pitts one of our, our country's um, leading arts writers. Um, it's very much a publication about Peter's work on Peter's terms, uh, which was quite interesting because after he died, we we found um, extensive documentation on, on other works that um, he didn't want published. Uh, never, yeah, I never delved, never had the opportunity to delve into why he didn't want them published, but um, it was it was. In one respect, it was frustrating, but another, on another hand, um, I was obliged to respect his wishes and um, publish on his terms, so to speak. But do you, yeah. you, you could probably give us some insight as to why you think he might have taken that decision. Uh, Peter never stopped thinking about his making and never stopped thinking about and looking back at works he had made. 
Um, and that was evident, evidence itself in the way he often changed the titles of works retrospectively, uh, which was quite, <laughs> at times, quite frustrating from my perspective because I'd go, hang on a minute, that work was such and such. Oh, no, I've changed it. Um, so, yeah, it was, it was the way, the way he, he looked back at his work to look forward. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Tell us a little bit about the, the process of, of working with Peter on the book. When did it start? What, what uh, were the parameters around it? It's, it started, oh gosh, I'd have to look back at my, my notes now. It started about two years before he died, and he died in February last year. So, um, and the process was, is we basically gave ourselves, I was building a house at the time, so I had the luxury of um, time on my hands, well, not really time on my hands, I wasn't tethered to a a nine-to-five job, so to speak. So we gave ourselves the luxury of every Wednesday afternoon, we would get together, and he would have a selection of photographs or slides that he had chosen, and he would write notes around those. And concurrent with that, I would uh, find articles that had been written about those particular works. So the process was I'd find the articles, he'd write the notes, he'd find the photograph. And then we'd take excerpts from those articles. It might only be one paragraph, or it might only be two or three lines. And we'd put those alongside a photograph of the work and alongside his notes. And a wonderful, a wonderful little story about his note-taking. I'd give him a hard copy. He wasn't particularly uh, flash on the computer, so he worked better with a hard copy. And he just, he, he just handwrite over the top, cross things out, shift things around. It was great. And the wonderful thing is, um, the Christmas before he died, I gave him a, a, a proof of the book. And I said, look, can you please go through it? And we really need to lock this down because things were dragging on a wee bit for both of us. Um, and he went through that proof and he wrote a whole lot of notes and I got the book back and I started to type them in and then realised actually the gold was in his handwriting. So what we did um, on the advice of the graphic designer Anna Terry, she suggested that we just scan in his handwriting and, in, and include those alongside the already written, already typed text. And it's quite it's quite a lovely thing as you flick through the book as I am right now. Um, I'm seeing handwritten notes alongside typed notes of his alongside, um, for example, here I'm looking at some writing by Peter in, Peter Entwistle. So, yeah, it's a lovely combination. Does it uh, attempt to tell his story in a kind of chronological way, or or is it otherwise put together? It's it's. Absolutely, um, unashamedly chronological. Um, yeah, that was that was simply the way way he and I approached it, and we we to be honest, we didn't consider another approach. That seemed the mo- Peter being a very pragmatic person, that seemed to be the um, it, it sat well with him. Um, from an art historical perspective, art theory perspective, there could be, there would have been several other ways of approaching it, um, but uh, yeah, we went simply went with a chronological approach. Were the earlier works the things we might 
discover in the early pages of the book? Were they well documented or were you both working hard to, to unearth things? Um, they, no, they, there was not a lot of unearthing. Peter, Peter was so meticulous with his record keeping. Um, one, one issue we did come across, but it was more from a design and aesthetic perspective, is um, we had a mixture of black and white photographs. We had a mixture of colour slides. We had photographs of slides and photographs of photographs in some instances to work with. Um, we had some old-style digital images that were, weren't particularly you know, low-resolution digital files and very high-resolution contemporary files as well. And some, partic- some images weren't... Um, a lot of the images weren't photographed with publication in mind. They were more photo. They were more a documentation of the work for Peter or from Peter's perspective. Um, so, from a purely aesthetic, purest aesthetic perspective, some of the images aren't that flash. Um, but nonetheless, they, as I said, it's Peter's book on Peter's terms, and the decision was made. Um, Anna Terry, the designer, made the decision not to colour correct too many of the images simply because of the varying qualities um, of that, of the images. So, And on the whole, it, it, it um, balances very well and, and is very much true to his documentary style. Very unfair question to ask. I appreciate this. But for yourself, just as an appreciator of his work, you know, a, a couple of pieces that particularly speak to you that, that, you, that you enjoy? Uh, yes, there's two that really speak to me. Um, one is called Luff, uh, which is a, was a private commission for Gil Handley, and it's based on a, a very simple work. It's, it's, um, it's simply a, uh, based on the aesthetic of a, a sail um, luffing in the wind. And it's a beautiful work. It's suspended on three... Um, it's suspended on three stainless steel poles coming out of the ground, um, and it's made from macrocarpa that is carved and chiselled uh, or adzed, and a whole lot of big chunks of macrocarpa have been bolted together, and it really does look like a sail flapping in the wind and standing against um, a, a skyline um, overlooking the sea with macrocarpa, uh, with um, putakawa in the in the background, quite a lovely, gentle piece, but incredibly heavy. It probably stands four or five metres tall, so it's not small. And another work that I absolutely adored, and you know, every day I went to visit, or every week when I, Peter and I met, I walked past this work in his yard. It was called Musa, and that was um, made from made in two thousand and one. And what it was, it was a big metal uh, vessel that had been used in the gold extraction process for grinding ore. And um, it was quite beautiful. The, this, whole, this whole metal bowl had cracked uh, and it looked quite, uh, quite lovely and quite fatigued. And he simply placed um, one of these, dis- one of these uh, vessels on top of the other, one forming the plinth and one sort of like an open cup and placed a, a large diameter stainless steel ball inside, 
quite lovely, like lovely, lovely, very heavy, chunky industrial work, but it has a very, it's it's very soft and gentle at the same time. It's very, which is which was very much Peter's trademark. Um, and yeah, and I used to walk past his work um, through his yard up to his house, and I always wanted to have a conversation with, about buying it from him, but um, I never did have that conversation, knowing it was probably well out of my <laughs> league in terms of budget. But quite a lovely work. That work is yeah. uh, one of those featured on the cover of the book, is it not? That's correct. Yes, yes. What? Uh, yeah. How far and wide uh, is his work in terms of where it might be found around the world? Um, it's certainly found throughout New Zealand. He's he, there's some of his work up in in Canada, um, and he very recently exhibited in Korea as well. Uh, when I say very recently, I mean in the last uh, when is it ten years or so? Yeah, so fairly international. Uh, Two thousand five, he was in Korea. What yeah. was your sense um, of what Peter felt about this book, uh, Dynamics, Memory, Grace? Why he wanted it out there? Um, he 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 was very aware of his own mortality and I simply and and he he was slowly losing his, his you know as we all do when we get to in our 80s we start to lose our dexterity um, he was unable to wield a hammer and chisel as well as he used to and I um, my understanding is, is the is the book came out of um, an, a, a need and a desire to keep creating um, and just review his life's work and um, tidy things up, so to speak. Yeah, it certainly didn't come from, um, not that I was perceived anyway, it certainly didn't come from an egotistical perspective. It was more more of a, a, a very contemplative tidying up journey and a way to keep uh, keep active, keep creating right to the end. Well, 60 years of work, a 150-page colour book celebrating his long and prolific career, uh, as you've mentioned, through his own writing, through images and selected extracts from, from writers. Um, you'll get the opportunity to celebrate the launch of the book this weekend. What's planned? What's planned? Well, at uh, 2 o'clock, and it's an open invitation, at 2 o'clock in the DPAG, um, there will be a, um, the book will be launched. Um, I will be um, speaking briefly as, an, as the editor. Uh, I didn't write the book. I simply edited it. I worked alongside Peter in making this book. Um, and uh, Bridie Loney, who um, is uh, very well known in Dunedin and throughout the country, and for that matter, throughout the world, is an is a, um, arts academic and practitioner and former head of um, Otago Polytech School of Art. Uh, we'll be, uh, Leonie will be speaking, um, and so will Ali Bramwell. Now, Ali was, um, again, was one of Peter's students. Ali went on to um, become an arts practitioner and an arts academic. She shared the same studio building as um, Peter for a while and um, also exhibited alongside him on several occasions uh, in New Zealand and Korea. Um, so we will be, yeah, we'll be 
the three of us will be um, basically introducing various aspects of Peter's life and various aspects of the book. Unfortunately, Priscilla Pitts, who has written a wonderful introduction, um, is unable to join us, um, which is a bit sad, but nonetheless, it's the way it goes sometimes. Yeah. So that launch this coming Saturday, the 25th of September. Sorry, Sunday. Sunday Sunday it is Mm. at the Dunedin Public Art Gallery, 2 p.m. As you've heard, uh, there will be copies of the book available too, presumably. There will be, yes. Yes. It was a a fairly limited print run, um, which is what Peter Peter didn't want thousands and thousands of books lying around unsold. So um, it was decided to go for a fairly limited print run. So um, if you're interested, uh, look them up online, see what you can see, and uh, come along to the book launch and grab yourself a copy while you're there. Don Hunter, Don Hunter, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today to uh, to talk about this uh, wonderful new book, Dynamics, Memory, Grace, mm. the work of Peter Nichols, sculptor. Um, all the best for the weekend. Thank you. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.